In July 2020, tens of thousands of passionate and committed people from around the globe will convene at the 23rd International AIDS Conference. This gathering among the world's largest conferences will happen during a critical year when global goals for the fight against HIV AIDS come due. In this podcast, we'll be talking to a diversity of inspiring guests. They have been and remain at the very forefront of the ongoing fight against HIV AIDS, both at home and abroad. Hello, and welcome to the AIDS 2020 podcast. My name is Janet Fleischman, and I'm a senior associate at the CSIS Global Health Policy Center. We're thrilled to be releasing this episode during the now virtual AIDS 2020 conference. To better understand the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the already disproportionate burden of HIV on adolescent girls and young women, we reached out to two extraordinary women in Kenya. The first speaker is Maureen Morenga who joins us from Nairobi, Kenya. She is the executive director of the Lean on Me Foundation, which works to support access to services for adolescent mothers living with HIV and their children. She's also a board member of the Global Fund, representing communities living with and affected by HIV, TB, and malaria. The second speaker is Brenda Ocheng, a young woman who works as a peer mentor for Pathfinder's Dreams Project in Mombasa. DREAMS, which stands for Determined, Resilient, AIDS-Free, Mentored, and Safe, is a PEPFAR-led public-private partnership that aims to reduce HIV infection in adolescent girls and young women. We hope you'll enjoy their insights and reflections on the progress and challenges to HIV prevention in adolescent girls and young women and the new threats they face with the COVID-19 crisis. So maybe to begin with, can you give us a scene setter of what is the situation with COVID and AGYW in Kenya now? Okay, the situation of COVID with AGYW is as bad as it affects other populations, only made complex because we know that most AGYW live in complex situations. And um, this is even made further by COVID, the restrictions of movement. And first of all, I would like to say that Lean On Me supports girls to go to school. And now they are not in school, they are out of school. So all the benefits of keeping girls in school is is eroded. Another issue we are seeing with the adolescent girls and young women is a lot of intimate partner violence for the young women and sexual violence for the adolescents, sexual and gender-based violence. We have seen a lot of reported uh, rape cases We have also seen pregnancies, teenage pregnancies are seriously on the rise. It has become so bad that it's now an item on news. The hospitals are not allowing huge numbers, so it's difficult for the young women and girls to go for their sexual and reproductive health services. You cannot walk there and ask for contraceptives when they're not even allowing people who are having malaria to come to the hospital because of the facilities trying to reduce the numbers of people that go. We have seen many of them trying to access post-rape care, which has been difficult by the time they get to us, because some of us are known, we go to the media, we give our telephone contacts for them to reach us. Some of us reach us when it's a little too late, and so when we support them to access 
the post-rape care, we find that they're already HIV infected and some even already pregnant. So it's not really easy. And then for the adolescent mothers, it's even been compounded with the lack of employment, reduced access to people who can support them. So some of them are actually going hungry with their children. So we can't see the social protection actually reaching the, the most vulnerable, especially those from slums and from the rural areas. So this situation, I think, like I said the other day, it's a shadow epidemic that is growing. And if we will ever have a post-COVID, we will have gone very, very many steps behind from all the efforts we have made to ensure the safety, the protection, and that our girls actually actualize their potential. So when you referred to the shadow epidemic, what were you referring to? Was that the rise in GBV? Was that the broader um, uh, rights violations related to AGYW? What were you referring to as the shadow epidemic? The shadow epidemic was a myriad of things. One, the GBV. Then secondly, the new HIV infections. And then thirdly, the rising teenage pregnancy. And then finally, we know most of the girls, we really forced their parents to take them to school. I don't think they'll take them back to school again. It will be another process to begin persuading their parents to take them to school. Can you describe the HIV situation for adolescent girls and young women uh, in the communities where you're working? Is it a high rate of HIV? Are they aware of HIV? And how has DREAMS affected that? Um, One thing I've realized is that HYWs, they are aware of HIV. But unfortunately, they are not aware of their HIV statuses. That's one thing that I noted. Yes, they are aware that HIV is something that is real, but they are not themselves aware of their statuses. But thanks to the DREAMS project, we are able to offer HIV testing services to these girls, and they are able to know, okay, so HIV is real. I am HIV negative. So that plus among other services that we're offering to them, like the behavioral interventions, they are able to maintain, to keep away from the risky behaviors that will in turn put them in risk of contracting the HIV virus. Now with the COVID crisis, do you have concerns that some of that work that you're doing on HIV might be reversed? That some of those girls might now be at risk of HIV infection? Yes. I am. At the moment, parents are strained economically. At the moment, we're not also meeting in these safe spaces. These girls are not coming to our safe spaces. So where are they at the moment? That's my like big challenge and worry. Like this girl is not at home, is not at school. The parents, the parent is not concerned with her at the moment. The parent is like, how can I? Like the parent is so busy trying to fend for the family in terms of food and shelter. So this girl, Ahmad, this boy is put aside for. For, for now, and this girl cannot access our services for like information contraception and information on HIV. So that's a very big risk at the moment, and it's something that's worrying. And I think that's what has led to the increase in the number of teenage pregnancies. Are you concerned that some of these girls might not go back to school when school reopens? And if so, what risks does that imply? I'm afraid these girls' majority won't go back to school. For those who are pregnant, 
after giving birth, they'll be like more concentrated on uh, raising and nursing that child. And for most, they won't have that morale of going back to school. But I think, and I hope, we will be able to equip these girls once we get hold of them and tell them there's still hope after pregnancy, there's, there's still life after that. They can still go back to school and better their lives. Economically, it will impact the country because these girls, with, okay, they always say education is the key. So if these girls are at home nursing their kids, then what of this generation that's coming up? They won't have any skills because they'll always be staying at home. So where once they go to school, they'll be able to get their certificates, be able to go to college or campus or any other technical training to acquire skills so that they can economically empower themselves. Can you describe how has COVID exacerbated this situation of girls not being in school, perhaps food insecurity, um, needing um, income and sanitary towels? How do you see COVID affecting these girls now? Because of COVID, they have lost a lot of the privileges they had got. Not really privileges, I would call them rights. I could call them the treatment that they needed to have. Because they are not in school, they cannot get sanitary towels. And it's because of COVID-19 that they are not in school. Because they are not in school, they cannot get food. And they have to do stuff to get into contractual relationships, um, coercive relationships, to provide food for their families and for their siblings. If they were in school, they wouldn't have to do all this. And this is because of COVID-19 that the schools have closed down. So COVID has actually impacted very negatively on uh, the young women and girls and the gains we had made. What does Kenya lose if these Dreams girls fall out of the program? What has been the importance for Kenya to have these girls being able to get this information, access these services? And then what is the risk if they fall out of the program? COVID-19 had taken a lot of attention from other key services in the health sector. So what I can say is they should not like majorly 100% concentrate on the COVID-19. As I see, COVID-19 is here to stay. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. So they should prioritize other services especially on the sexual reproductive health services, in order to maintain our generation and to keep it safe and empowered. Life is not all about COVID-19. COVID-19 just came the other day. <laughs> yeah, and these girls will be here with us for a very long time. The word dreams speaks for itself. Since the inception of dreams into our community, I myself, together with the girls that I can account for, are determined, resilient, empowered, and safe and mentored. So without dreams, I don't think if I and these other girls that I work with, that I mentor, my other mentors mentor too, will all have these qualities that dreams stand for. And the leadership of these young women like yourself as a mentor and imparting this assistance to the dreams girls, is it changing some of the dynamics in the community that people have been looking at girls as stronger, as more independent, as future leaders? Yes, it has. Because I remember when we started out, especially the male in the community, they were bad-mouthing the project, saying like, we are teaching these girls bad manners. 
We are teaching them to be rude to their husbands, to their parents and all that. But after a meeting with the community members, like the village elders, village committees, they were very receptive and they got to understand the, the importance of the Dreams Project. They realized there's a saying that goes around, when you teach, when you educate, when you empower a lady, you empower the whole community. Because this lady is the one that remains with the child at home. I, myself, as a woman, with uh, information, I empower a fellow lady. I empower a fellow sister. My sister, in turn, will empower a fellow friend, a fellow sister, and the daughter, and the son. Not only the daughter. <laughs> yeah, and given, given opportunities to speak our mind, know our rights, know what we are able to, to achieve as women when we come together. Yes, it has given us strength. And now with COVID, what is your message to people here, for example, who are trying to understand the impact of COVID? It's like I keep on repeating this word. I don't know why. <laughs> Since the very first time the word dreams came into my mind, I was introduced to dream. I, really, I had this vision after everything it's over and done with. I want to be determined, resilient, empowered, AIDS-free, mentored, and safe. It's so sad. I've seen a, a couple of ladies being married quite early. I've seen a couple of ladies giving birth consecutively, which poses a very great health risk. And I've seen girls who drop out of school due to early pregnancies. I've seen girls who are at a very high risk of contracting HIV AIDS. And that costs families, costs the community, costs the whole nation. Are there any changes that you think they should consider based on the COVID crisis? Are there new strategies? Are there new approaches that either need to be expanded or created based on the new COVID environment? I'm still a believer that we can do something regardless of COVID because this is when we need services more. So I think they need to sit down and restructure their programs to be able to continue in service regardless of COVID-19. So if the PI educators have to go to the field wearing masks, so be it. We need PPEs for community health workers to reach out and mobilize people to access services, so be it. We need to strengthen our health systems to be able to coordinate a way of allowing people to go to the facility. Well done. But what we need mostly is to strengthen community-led monitoring so that we are able to identify these challenges in real time and use that information to inform change or reprogramming. We also need to invest in differentiated care models where some of the sexual and reproductive health services can be provided for in community drop-in centers so that we don't have to have everyone going to the facilities, but to get them get these services in a safe space. How does COVID make that more complicated now and therefore more urgent that we act on those drivers? So what COVID has done, COVID has just complicated an already existing situation. What we don't need to do is to wait until post-COVID to assess how much damage has been done. We need to ensure that we are reaching out, responding. We don't also need to wait until they come to us. Young women and girls, most of them are in vulnerable situations. They cannot just wake up one morning and start seeking for services. So it is upon the service providers to try reaching out 
and address as much as possible some of the challenges the girls are facing that we mentioned earlier on. Thank you for listening to AIDS 2020. Please subscribe and write a review wherever you listen to your podcast so that more people can find us. If you want to find out more about CSIS's research on the global fight against HIV AIDS, go to CSIS.org and look for the Global Health Policy Center program page. To find out more about the AIDS 2020 conference, visit AIDS2020.org.